Join me in praying for a moment, please. Heavenly Father, pour out on us your Holy Spirit. We need your Spirit so we may hear your word of love, so we may believe that word of love, and then live that word of love through faith in Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Have you heard the story of the chicken and the pig? Well, if you know the story, you know that uh, the chicken invited the pig to help serve a breakfast of eggs and bacon to the farmer raising them. The pig responded to the invitation, well, for you to give the eggs, (laughs) that's easy, that's easy for you. But for me to supply the bacon, (laughs) that's going to require total commitment on my part. Well, ask yourself, did Jesus call people to become like the chicken or the pig? Does he still today call people just to believe that the story of Christmas and Easter is true and then ignore it for the rest of the year? Or does he call people to follow him daily, like John the Baptist did, to follow him with total commitment, even when living as a Christ follower brings inconvenience, pain, and rejection? Some weeks ago, Pastor Ryan began our study of the Gospel of Mark, and he read the first verse. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Pastor Ryan was careful to point out that this is the gospel of Jesus, not the gospel of John the Baptist. So we would have to ask, why is it that Mark has this story about John? We don't read anything about Jesus here in our reading for today. How does this reading about John the Baptist answer the two questions that Pastor Ryan asked us to remember? Remember those questions? Who do you believe Jesus is? And will you follow him? We're going to find out as we work our way verse by verse through Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. However, before we do, we have to go back to our reading from last week. And there we're going to find that Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. When the twelve returned to report to Jesus how they had witnessed Jesus' name powerful enough to cast out demons, powerful enough to heal people, well, they were rejoicing. But what Jesus was about to reveal to them was that Satan would carry on his work of trying to disrupt God's plan, of trying to get people to reject Jesus and those who represent him. 
So that's what we learn as we read on in Mark chapter four, chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Well, what had King Herod heard of? How Jesus and his apostles had been doing this work among people, overcoming Satan in miraculous ways. Well, who was this Jesus? People had their opinions. They did not have Twitter and Facebook, but that didn't keep them from gossiping. And so we read on. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah. One of the last things we read in the Old Testament is a prediction that the prophet Elijah would return to usher in the coming of the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus later on said that Elijah is, is like that. Is that Peter, rather John, is he like, like Elijah? And that uh, John would be a prophet. Others said he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old, like Amos, from whom we heard this morning earlier. But King Herod, for very personal reasons, believed that this Jesus he was hearing about was, in fact, John, who had come back from the dead to haunt him. So we read, verse 16, But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Well, if we were to ask Herod, who do you believe Jesus is, that's what he would say. He would say, John, whom I beheaded, has come back to haunt me. Well, why would he believe that about Jesus? Why would he believe that about John? Well, as we learn from reading the gospel, we find that between the time Jesus sent out the twelve to go on their mission trip, and the time they returned, Herod had John executed. Well, that's a story in itself. And so that's what we read here, beginning at verse 17. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound John in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herodias had divorced Philip and Herod had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against John and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When Herod heard John, Herod was greatly perplexed, and yet Herod heard John gladly. Mark here reminds us that John was speaking truth to power and along the way, making enemies. John, in this case, had told both Herod and Herodias that they needed to repent of their sins of divorce and adultery. And how do you think they reacted? They didn't like what they were hearing from John. I know a pastor to whom two people came to ask to officiate at their wedding. And this pastor at first was shocked because he knew these people well enough to know that both of them were married to other people. And so he said, let's meet, let's talk. And he tried to explain from the Bible 
why what they were planning was wrong. Well, how do you think they reacted to that pastor? They didn't like what he had to say. And so they left. And they went out into the community and gave that pastor a bad name. And later found another pastor who would officiate at their wedding. Well, John, he got more than a bad name. He got a prison cell. Herod gave John that cell to keep John safe from Herodias, who wanted to kill John and keep John available for Herod's entertainment. That's what Herod was trying to do. Herodias, on the other hand, well, she was not about to suffer John's shaming any longer. And so we read in verse 21, an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he bowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Mark here gives us insight into how things often work in the halls of power. Herod throws himself a birthday party. He invites all the VIPs, the, the nobles, military commanders, leading men of Galilee, because Herod depends on these people to keep him in power. And the party, well, it apparently descends into a drunken affair. As the daughter of Herodias dances in such a way as to gain influence over Herod, and all his guests. We might wonder if Herodias put her up to this. In any case, Herodias' daughter succeeds in motivating and under the influence Herod to make a promise he cannot keep. After all, Herod wanted to fancy himself a king. In fact, he was only appointed a tetrarch by the Roman emperor who would one day remove Herod from that office. Herod did not have the authority to give half of his kingdom away. It was not his kingdom. For the moment, however, Herod pretends he's a king. And the daughter of Herodias takes advantage of his foolishness. So we read, And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? The head of John the Baptist, Herodias said. And Herodias' daughter came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, What do you want to give me? At, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist, on a platter. Well, now we see that Herodias gets her way, doesn't she? She takes John's head. Someone has written that the only way she could legitimize her marriage to Herod was to have it written on the back of John's death notice. But notice also that Herod is exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to Herodias' daughter. Herod is more sorry about what others think of him than he is about taking John's life. He was worried about what other people thought of him. Do we ever have that problem? I remember one time 
when Sharon, my wife, and I had all six children in the van. We were on our way from Ohio to see some people that we knew in Indiana. And the people were expecting us at a specific time. We were running late. That's why I was driving too fast. And yes, a sheriff's deputy stopped us. And the sheriff, the, the deputy looked inside the van and he could see my wife and he could see all six of the children and he shook his head at me as though to say, shame on you. Later I had to ask myself, do I care more about what people think than what God says? Well, verse 27, immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. I mentioned earlier that Mark here gives us a snapshot of the extreme corruption that can go on behind the closed doors in the halls of power. It is not a pretty picture. Not any more than what has been surfacing at MSU over the past year, or in companies whose leaders have been resigning due to allegations of improper relationships. Herod was too much like leaders of today who would rather watch out for themselves and abuse their office than watch out for the people given into their care and leadership. Well, finally, verse 29. When John's disciples heard of his death, they came and took John's body and laid it in a tomb. Well, as we complete these verses from Mark chapter 6, it might appear that Mark just for whatever reason, decided to stick this story about John into his gospel. As though he were suddenly changing the conversation he's having with his readers. Why? Well, perhaps Mark includes this story to show us the similarities as well as the differences between John and Jesus. There are many. I'll just point out a few. John faced rejection that led to his death and burial because he represented God the Father who had sent his Son. Jesus, too, faced rejection resulting in death and burial because he came to save sinners like John. But unlike John's body, Jesus' body would not stay in the tomb. On the third day, following his burial, Jesus arose from the dead. Jesus lived the life none of us has ever lived. He then paid the wages of John's sin and of Herod's, of my sin and yours too. He paid for those on the cross. And on that cross, God emptied his bank of the wages owed to all sinners. That's why John would be pointing people to Jesus, the one who alone can remove our sin, shame, to give us pardon and peace, to give us a future worth living for. And so, who do you believe Jesus is? If you believe what he says and what the rest of the Bible says about him, 
Will you follow him? Before you answer, remember that story about the chicken and the pig. Someone might ask, well, why would anyone not follow Jesus? He saves people from hell for heaven. Well, here's why. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Spoken by a man who did die for the cause of Christ. Jesus and John were both like the pig. They both made a total commitment. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God had Christ, who was sinless, take our sins so that we might receive God's approval through him. Christ died for all, that those who live would not continue to live for themselves. He would die for them and was raised from the dead so that they would live for him. And so he says to us here today, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, he says, and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you will save it. Since Jesus gave his life for ours, he now calls us to give our lives for him. When we believe Jesus is the one we need more than anything or anyone else, even life itself, we spend our time, our energy, our money differently. The world around us says that uh, our time is our own, that our energy is best spent on ourselves and what we enjoy doing, that our money gives us status, security, and the good things in life. But what does Jesus say? The people with power, money, success, and recognition, he tells us, will lose out. While those who are powerless and poor and suffer rejection and loss to follow Jesus will gain everything that is worth having here and in the hereafter. Now when Mark shows us who Jesus is, he is intending for us not simply to know about Jesus, not simply to have an opinion about Jesus, but to follow Jesus. What the world values, Jesus does not. What the world shuns, Jesus embraces. As someone who gave his life for Christ wrote in the 20th century, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to give us the courage to become less like chickens and more like pigs. Amen.